Hello, coders. Welcome to episode 187 of the How to Code Well podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about predictions of 2023 in terms of web development and my opinions of those predictions. I'm also going to give a roadmap of how to code well and where I think we should be working uh, improving the platform for next year. And also, we're going to do a, a quick recap of how to code well for this year, 2022. We'll do that first, I think, and then we'll get on to the other bits. So a lot has happened this year in 2022 for how to code well. The biggest thing, of course, is that the site howtocodewell.net is now live and there are people who have signed up, they've joined, they are, they are watching and enrolling in, in the courses, which is fantastic. It isn't doing all the things I want it to do, but it is the MVP. So for example, there's no paid courses on there yet. And that's something that we're gonna be focusing on next year but it's live and it's being used, which is great. Let's talk about some statistics in terms of how to code well in general, in terms of like the YouTube, the Twitch and um, the podcast. So let's talk about the podcast first. So back in 2020, yeah, 2020, we had between 3,000 and 4,000 listeners, 4.4 thousand 4, I've got here on my notes. That's in 2020. In 2021, oh, these are monthly listeners, by the way. In 2021, we had 2.3 to 4,000. And in this year, we had between 2.8 and 5.1 thousand listeners per month, which is, you know, obviously going up, which is great. We are using Anchor for this, which is a Spotify tool. I'm not overly happy about this. It's something that I want to look to change in the future. And before this, we were on Libsyn and that was getting quite pricey and quite expensive. The reason why I came off of that is because Anchor was offering the platform for free. However, there are some issues with uh, the control of the content that I put out that I want to address. And I also want to focus on getting this into podcast 2.0 territory as well. The best episode this year was episode number 91, which is the deep dive into Agile. That was an interview with Chris Ginn. We have this year hit 72 countries. The highest is the United States. Then we go to United Kingdom, Canada, Switzerland, and India. And apparently, according to Spotify, the podcast was in the top 15% of the most shared globally within the category, which is mind-blowing if you think about it. So there's still a lot of room for improvement. And there's still a lot of things that I'm trying to work on. And just in terms of the general podcast feel, and maybe we'll improve say some of the sound quality and maybe some of the sound effects going forward i don't want to gimmick gimmick it make it really gimmicky but i think there's a little bit of of polishing that i could do post in in, in post during the edit let's talk about youtube because this is the biggest platform out of the lot of them so uh in 2022 we had around 200,000 views so it's about one that 195 thousand views so by the time we actually get to 2023 it would have probably surpassed 200,000 because we get between 500 and 800 views every 48 hours 
which is really, really good. And that's something that has been increasing, which is great. We also have Twitch. This is the live streaming that I do most of the time on Sundays. Certain Sundays I don't. And that, that has been growing. It's not brilliant, but we've been we've gained 70 followers in the last year, which, you know, is quite small, but it's, you know, it's going in the right direction. That makes us now about 800 followers, about just under 900, actually, 881, which is great. You know, it's great. We also have, uh, going back to the YouTube, we also have the How to Cope Well archive channel that has now hit 500 subscribers, which is great because the threshold to get over into monetization is a thousand. So we're halfway there. I've also already met the other requirements as well in terms of watch time and stuff. So that is, I'm still going to be working on that channel too. Let's talk a little bit about a roadmap of how to code well in 2023. So this is going to be very high level. I used to do these things where I would go very granular in and say like this month, I'm going to do this and that month I'm going to do that. It never really panned out. So I'm going to go very, very high level. We now have the platform out, which is great. So we now have something that we can improve upon. So in Q1, and I'm going to carve this up into quarters. So Q1, Q2, Q3, and Q4 quarters of the year. So in Q1, we we're just going to be dealing with maintenance mode. So we're just going to be fixing bugs. We're going to just do small little improvements. We're not going to be working on specific features. There is just a, a, a laundry list of things that I want to just tighten up and tweak both in the UI as well as perhaps in the content management system, as well as the way in which people interact with the enrollment process of the whole watching courses and clicking on to the next tutorial and all that kind of stuff just needs to be slightly tightened up. So that's what we're going to be focusing on in Q1. And if we follow the trend that I have set out in terms of how we're going to do the deployments, we should hopefully get about six deployments in over that course of those three months. So I think there's going to be a lot of, 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 tightening up and stabilizing during that period, which is great. And then after that in Q2, I am going to focus on rebuilding the podcast site. The podcast site at the moment is just in a state of disrepair at the minute. And I want to rebuild this. I want to rebuild this as a static site. I know I've been going forward and back. It used to be a static site and then it's now a symphony site. Now I want to put it back to a a static site. I want this to be a static site that it is essentially a site that manages itself in the sense that as soon as I publish a new podcast, the site automatically gets updated via some form of intelligent API thing that happens in the background. So that I want to do in Q2, and I'm going to focus all of Q2 on that. Q3, I would like to try and focus on at least one paid course on howtocodewell.net. There are a number of things I need to do in order for that to happen in terms of the coding around that. There is also a decision, a business decision that I have to make regarding whether I want to continue down the road of subscriptions or have one-off paid courses or both. So that's why I've put this way back to Q3. 
because I, I need to actually think about this. In Q4, um, I would like to have all of the current course notes on the site. Now, the course notes, for those that don't know, the, this is a separate GitHub repository. It's open source. And for all of the free courses on there, there is a series of markdown files that correspond and relate to the tutorials, to the lessons. And there's also transcripts. And by the end of Q3, I want to have, uh, sorry, by the end of Q4, so by the end of next year, I want to have all of the courses have all of their course notes and all of their transcripts written. So that's a massive challenge. So there's going to be, next year, we're going to focus on at least one paid How to Code Well course. We're going to rebuild the podcast site. And we're going to get all of the content that's currently there up together. So that's the plan. That's the plan. Whether it'll happen, I don't know. I need to I need to come up with smart targets. This is what I would like to happen. I need to actually see how to do this and see if it is feasible. That's But that's what I want to do. So if anybody is watching the Twitch streams or the YouTube live streams, then I will be probably working on the course notes and I might be doing a couple of maintenance tasks. And then in Q2, it's going to be full on podcast rebuild site. So that's probably going to be a, a bit of react. Okay. So with all that out of the way, which is very exciting, I'm looking forward to, to, to working on how to code well.net in 2023. That's really exciting. Let's talk now a little bit about web development in general in terms of the predictions that I have seen for web development in 2023. And I'm going to give you some of my opinions. I have purposely focused on the the technology rather than the design, because I, I am aware that there's a lot of design trends that may or may not happen next year. I am not personally interested in all that stuff. So I'm just focusing on the code. Okay, so the first one is that artificial intelligence will become much bigger. I think this is something that is slowly creeping up on the web development space and everybody else's space. It's not just web development. Everybody else's space, chat GPT. There's also a link here I've got to another um, artificial intelligence bot that I've discovered, Bit2AI. Bit2AI is a Chrome extension and also a VS Code and JetBrains plugin. It is free, apparently, and it, uh, it is apparently secure in the sense that it's only running locally and it's encrypted, which means that your history of your communication through the artificial intelligence mechanism isn't stored on their servers. So I'm a little bit confused as to how they actually get this to work. But anyway, I've got a link in the in the description for this. And the features are that it generates code, generates test cases, suggests improvements. And the things that I'm really interested in is explaining the code and coding concepts. So you can actually do like, uh, uh, you can highlight a portion of the code and you can ask the essentially it's a chatbot you can ask the chatbot can you explain this code right so you paste that code in there and it will explain it to you like a human being would explain the code to you which is from a from a teacher from someone who is trying to build an educational platform that is very fascinating very interesting and also the whole 
explaining just general coding concepts as well. That's very interesting too. So I wonder whether there's going to be more of these coming on. The fact that this is free is very interesting because at some point these these chat the, these artificial intelligence bots they will take a huge amount of power to run, right? So that's a massive cost. I don't know the figures, but I would imagine that there is a f a, f a cost that fluctuates based on how popular these things are. So at some point there's going to need to be funding. And I wonder what features are going to be in the pro version or if it's going to turn into a subscription model, not just um, this one, which is Bit2AI, but other ones as well. I wonder if we're now going to see artificial intelligence as a service that we can plug into. And I wonder if we've, we're going to come up with other programming languages that help build upon the concepts of artificial intelligence once they have been uh, defined. Now, there are some negatives to this. So we'll focus on the negatives first, and then we'll talk about possible ways that artificial intelligence can help and maybe the trends going forward in next year. So there are some, some problems. The first one that I can see is lawsuits. So lawsuits with in things like impersonation. So we were talking just a minute ago about chatbots, but artificial intelligence can go through all sorts of different things. And I'm thinking that there could be a challenge of impersonating. So impersonating like a social media account, impersonating the responses of an actual human being. I wonder if there's going to be any lawsuits coming up around something that has happened that has put someone in a bad light, shall we say? And I wonder if there's going to be any issues with that. I also think that we might be stumbling into some security issues. So, I mean, I'm going to pick on the uh, Bit2 AI here. Bit2 AI say that it's secure, says that it's encrypted, says that it runs locally and not on the server, which is great. But it must be getting some information from somewhere. And I, I don't know what information it sends up and what, what information it, it sends back. But I would imagine that if you were to work on this, and I've said this before, if you were to put in secure information into that, thinking that it's just a plugin that runs locally and it's actually sending the information up to somewhere else and you're putting in secure information into that, into that query and a competitor of yours is also doing the same thing, right? I'm wondering if the responses get muddled up, if there's any kind of security issues with that. I wonder if you can ask the chatbot crazy questions that come up with security implications. I also think that as a developer, if you're using one of these mechanisms, artificial intelligence, to help with your code, right, to build your application, to help you do that, hackers are also going to be using this tool to ask how to hack the, the thing, right? So I, I believe it's going to make the hackers smarter, as well as, hopefully, the people who are developing the websites and using these tools as well. Okay, so let's now talk about some of the positives that I think artificial intelligence will give. I think that we still haven't seen, we've only just touched upon the tip of the iceberg here. I think we're going to see massive improvements to customer service. I think we're going to see some even better integration in IDEs. 
I think this is also going to help with e-commerce and recommendations based on previous purchases. Imagine if it can read your previous purchases and read other people's purchases and then offer you, suggest you things based on your habits and other people's habits that are slightly like yours. I'm sure that that's already happening at the minute, but just imagine how powerful that can be. Another weird one is Agile, right? And other tools that use or suggest information based on the data that was once historically input. So with Agile, for instance, in terms of like creating tickets and coming up with story points and going through burn down charts and suggesting how to estimate time and all of this stuff. If you can plug in all of that previous information in, in the history, maybe artificial intelligence can help with Agile and help the Agile coaches and the Agile and the Scrum Masters and will be able to answer questions that these people have, these experts have, about how is the team performing and what tickets should I put in next? As in, this is the end goal. This is a bunch of tickets that relate to that end goal. What's the best order to do all these things in? Who on the team prefers working with this kind of issue over that kind of issue? Who are the best people in the team to, to get together in a three amigos? I wonder if artificial intelligence can be used to help and improve those kind of answers. I also think that artificial intelligence, and this goes on to the next part of the next trend, I suppose, is that artificial intelligence means that as a developer, we have to actually widen our knowledge, our knowledge of coding, our knowledge of artificial intelligence. It's something that we've never really needed to understand. If you're just building websites, it's something that you've just, yeah. I think there's going to be a divide. I think there's going to be people who plug in a artificial artificial intelligence as a service tool. And I think there's going to be those who actually build upon it and have the ability to alter it in the back end to make it a little bit more well integrated in the actual website that they're building. And I think that we're going to see a bit of a, a divide here. I think we're going to see those people who work, who lean more towards AI and those who lean more to just the responses and displaying the responses of AI or feeding AI. So I think that we might actually carve out a new kind of back-end, front-end in that kind of regard, which I think is pretty awesome. I don't know where I would sit. I also think that if we were able to get artificial intelligence and WebAssembly to marry, that would be a very powerful thing indeed. I also think that if chatbots are the way in to artificial intelligence, because essentially a chatbot is a input and a response, I believe that chatbots will become the next thing or the the thing after a to-do app to learn, right? So traditionally, when you are starting out in web development, you're told that you should learn a to-do app, build a to-do app, because that's a very 
traditional CRUD application. You create records, you update records, you delete records, you filter records and search records. I think the next thing will be create a chatbot. Either the next thing or the replacement of a to-do app. Because here we're talking about sending a request to a, an external service that needs to filter that information, do some clever artificial intelligence and come back with a response based on the language search that has happened. And I think that chatbot exercise, it's very, very complicated, but I do believe that will be the next thing that I would recommend people learn. I also think that Twitter will still be around next year. I know that this isn't really a technical thing, but I do believe that Twitter will still be around next year. It'll still be uh, a cesspool as it always is, but that's just the way social media goes. You can't please everybody. I also think that more fragmentation will happen within the car infotainment center. We did discuss this before where we were talking about how Android was in all sorts of or variants of Android, emulations of Android was in all sorts of car makers infotainment centers. And I think that this is just going to get worse and worse and worse. And I think that there's going to be challenges, especially when infotainments get more popular, especially when the Apple car comes out, whenever that comes out. I think we're going to see some issues with rent rental cars because what do you do? Do you share your profile? Do you share your settings with the car? Is it stored on the car or is it stored on somewhere else, on the phone maybe? The phone isn't the best thing. How are we going to communicate the phone to the car play? It needs to be better than it is because right now it's quite flaky. And like I said, it's very fragmented because what you have is Android. And on top of that, you have the car manufacturer's type of infotainment center. So I think that that's going to be a very interesting place to work in. And I would love to see some form of standardization going forward because I think that's really what it needs to needs to get to. But I think it's going to get more messy before that happens. The other one is voice search. Voice search is something that's really popular, especially with mobile. We've already accepted the fact that mobile is first, right? So when you build a website, consider the mobile responsive design first. I think we need to consider voice search first. I think that's the next thing. So voice search first and then normal textual search, because I think that voice search is going to be much bigger and take over text search. And I think we're going to start seeing that in 2023, especially with voice search in the infotainment centers, uh, as I just mentioned, in the cars, voice search on the phones and elsewhere, voice search within just the house using, say, Google Assistant or Siri. So I think that's very important. And I think as web developers, we need to come up with solutions around that as well. And if that was to be paired with artificial intelligence, then you already have, you have a secondary mechanism really, or input. So with a chatbot, you have your input and your response. As I've said, with a voice search, you have the input, which is voice, and then the output would be the response. So if those two things could be gelled a little bit better, then that would be fantastic. Imagine imagine if you could talk to the chatbots. That would be very cool. 
The other trends that I think will <laughs> happen or not happen next year will be VR. I don't believe virtual reality will take off next year. I think that it's tried as hard as it can to take off this year, but it really just missed the mark, to be honest. I don't think that the Oculus event wowed enough people. I think there's still a lot of confusion over whether these virtual reality headsets are used for the work versus used for entertainment. I am strongly thinking that it's just entertainment at the minute. And I, I do think that the, the workspace meta kind of environments, they just didn't, they just didn't, they're not fit for purpose. Battery life, nobody wants to wear one of these heavy things for more than, you know, two hours, but really they need to be in immersed for, for that, period for longer than that to be honest i think that it was a f sort of a flash in the pan idea during the pandemic and i think that it will get better and i think eventually it'll get there but just not in the next i would probably say three years i really to be honest i think we need to have several iterations of virtual reality and we need to come up with different ways of interacting with the virtual world not just putting a headset on because I just believe that's that that is just a barrier of entry. If someone said, "Oh, let's do a meeting and let's do it in the virtual reality space," if I'm not benefiting anything from that virtual reality world more than I would benefit from just a a simple Zoom call, then I would find that very weird and pointless. So there needs to be something, an added value, and I don't believe there is any added value in VR at the minute for collaboration of the workplace. I think there is value in the entertainment space, but like I said, that's something that you just put on, chill out. You're not really collaborating with anyone. You're kind of just playing in the virtual space. You are perhaps meeting people in the virtual space, but it's very short-lived. It's not, let's work on an Excel spreadsheet together or let's work on some pair programming together. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. Another thing that I don't believe will take off, and it's something that I thought would take off, is single page applications. It kind of did take off a few years ago, but I really think that people are starting to come away from SPAs. I think that they've realized that SPA, single page applications, they're not solving problems. They are creating more problems than they solve. And they're just, I think as, as an end user, it gets quite confusing. Is this an application? Is this a website? And I think if the two are very much the same, it gets very pointless. You know, why are you keeping an SPA running as well as a website? It might as well just be a respon mobile responsive website, right? What benefits are you giving your customers for an SPA? And I don't think... I don't think the benefits that we were sold are actually the benefits that we're seeing right now. So they're my predictions for 2023. We've got artificial intelligence. We've got WebAssembly. I didn't really mention much about WebAssembly, but I do think that that is going to take off. I do believe that, again, we need to see the, 
the problem that we are going to solve with WebAssembly. And I think that that could be something to do with artificial intelligence in some form. I think we're going to see some merge of AI and WebAssembly, especially around the tools that we are going to provide, say in IDEs, say in browser extensions and other applications. I think that WebAssembly, artificial intelligence, it just makes sense in my opinion. Also, I mentioned that uh, Twitter will still be around. I think that a lot of people have freaked out over the Elon Musk thing. Really, it's still going. Still, there's a lot of bad actors on there. And I think that you just can't get away from that. I think it's social media at the end of the day. I believe that there's going to be more fragmentation in the car, car infotainment center. And there will be until we get some proper standardization. Whatever and however that looks like, I don't know. I think voice search is going to be huge. And I think that paired with AI is going to be great. And I think we might be seeing that take off in 2023. I don't believe people are going to be building a lot of SPAs next year. I think there's going to be a, a shift between moving away from SPAs and going back to the traditional set of uh, multiple pages. And I don't believe virtual reality is going to take off next year, to be honest. I, I really don't. I think it will eventually, but it's not not next year. Lastly, I want to talk about the job market. Because something interesting is happening at the minute, especially around the PHP space. It's very quiet, which is very, very strange, very weird. Not so much in other spaces, not so much in Python, not so much in JavaScript. Now, this period of time is always very quiet for web development and programming in general, right? But with PHP, it's very strange. I don't know what it's like with permanent jobs, but as a contractor, I regularly look at uh, job boards for contracting. And I've just noticed that there has been a sharp decline in PHP roles. There's two factors that I look at. One is the frequency of posts, right? The amount of jobs out there for contractors. And the other one is the daily rate. So what happened during COVID is that the number of jobs was still around but the number, but the daily rate dropped. And then after that drop, the number of contract roles dropped. <laughs> and then it was kind of very flatline and then it ramped up again. And then once that ramped up, the number of jobs increased and the daily rate increased. And it got to kind of like the stable, normal daily rate of a PHP developer, senior PHP dev, which was fantastic, which is great. But now I'm seeing hardly any PHP contract roles, and yet those roles, the daily rates are still pretty good. So I'm a little bit, I wouldn't say concerned, but I'm interested to know what on earth is going on. <laughs> and I'm basing this knowledge on the, the job boards that I look at. So there might be other job boards out there that are just better populated with, with jobs. But when I compare PHP jobs and Python jobs and JavaScript jobs, it's very weird. And it's a very black and white sort of PHP is hardly anything. And yet the ones that are there, decent pay. Python, JavaScript, yes, it's dropped because it's a very quiet time of year, but it's far more than what, what's in the PHP space. 
So I don't really know what's going on. I do think, though, that just because of the nature of PHP and how deeply ingrained it is in, in every web, pretty much most of the websites out there, we will be seeing, obviously, it take off again. And hopefully that's going to happen sort of, I would say, March, April time. That's what usually what, what happens. But right now it's a bit weird. And I would suggest for those who are looking to get into contracting, maybe, maybe look at other programming languages. <laughs> maybe TypeScript, maybe Python. I think it's a bit of challenge right now. It's, um, I don't know, is it a seller's market or a buyer's market? It's just weird. It's just a very weird time. It's something that I would definitely recommend doing is diversifying your programming. So if you're a Python dev, look for JavaScript. If you're a JavaScript dev, look for Python. If you're a PHP dev, see if you can do a little bit of Python, maybe a bit of Go, a bit of C, whatever. Just see if you can diversify your skills just so you're able to have some experience in another language. You shouldn't really be focusing on one language all of the time. It's something that I perhaps will be looking at next year into maybe doing more Python work or maybe doing more JavaScript work rather than PHP stuff. I'll never let PHP go. It's a fantastic language. I love it to death. It's how I got into this trade and it's paid me well, you know, ever since it's been great. But I do think that times like these, it's a good idea to diversify the experience that you have in other languages. So anyway, I don't think it's going to die. Certainly not. It's going to probably increase and it's going to probably go wild in the next couple of months based on the things that I've mentioned here, because there's going to be a lot of integration with artificial intelligence. There's going to be a lot of integration with, well, a lot of change of legacy applications that were once SPAs now going into multiple page applications. I think that it's going to interact well with WebAssembly because the existing websites out there are PHP, right? So there's going to need to be some work to get the integrations of these new technologies, methodologies and trends of doing new things and searching for things in different ways via voice search or chatbots or what have you. Those things are going to be integrating with the current website stack and the current website stacks at the moment is either PHP or JavaScript, to be honest, to be brutally honest. And the back end stuff, maybe a bit of AI is going to be you know, Python, data science, that kind of stuff. So I'm not worried. It was just something that I wouldn't, I wanted to bring up that the PHP roles for contracting is on the decrease. I will keep an eye on it when it starts to increase. I'll let everybody know. Thank you ever so much for watching. Happy coding, everybody. And have a fantastic Christmas if I don't speak to you beforehand. And a happy new year. Take care, everybody. Cheers. Bye-bye.